The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. everybody out there in Bourbon Real Talk land, Randy Sullivan coming to you today with another slightly controversial topic, and that is Jack Daniels. Is it bourbon and does it suck? So I've seen a lot of commentary out there on the, you know, Facebook commentary land, and there's a lot of people arguing about whether or not Jack Daniels is bourbon. Okay, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the details of that. And then there's this secondary comment about whether or not Jack Daniels should be drank. Is it garbage? Is it not garbage? So we're going to get into all of that as well. So first off, Jack Daniels, what you need to know. Jack Daniels was founded by Jasper Newton Jack Daniel. Uh, his date of birth is disputed. He was born somewhere between 1847 and 1850. Uh, some things show that his mother died in 1849. Some things show this later. But regardless, his mother died and his dad actually immigrated to the United States, uh, had remarried, and his dad ended up dying in the Civil War. And so both his biological mother and father had died and he did not get along with his stepmother, so he ran away. And he was taken in by Mr. Call, who was a Baptist minister, but he was also a moonshine distiller, which was very common at that time because people who were in the ministry were typically also farmers because they grew corn on their land and they didn't have commercial refrigeration or ways to process corn and put it in cans. And so to preserve the, the, the value of that product, they would convert it into alcohol, which did not rot. And so that was pretty normal. Now, what a lot of people don't know, and it's starting to, that this story's starting to leak out, is that uh, Mr. Call had a slave named Nathan Nearest Green. And he is actually the one that taught Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. And there has, some of uh, Mr. Green's relatives have resurrected a brand, or created a brand around the history of their family and it's called Uncle Nearest, which is what uh, Jack would have called uh, Nathan Green, would have been Uncle Nearest. And I, I, I think that this is a beautiful thing because there was a time where the African-American contribution to the American whiskey scene was not recognized publicly. And that's beginning to change. And I feel like Uncle Nearest is doing a lot to you know, push that narrative forward. And so if you're interested in that kind of thing, look up Uncle Nearest, look at their history. It's pretty interesting. But Jack Daniels was actually a pretty short guy. Um, I think he was around five foot four, if I remember correctly. And he was kind of a hothead. So one of the interesting things about Jack Daniels is if you look at the distillery photo, 
uh, of him with the entire crew that worked at the distillery, he's the only one that's standing up because he wanted to look as tall as everyone else. He didn't want to sit down with everyone else. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But because he was a hothead, he would sometimes lose his temper. And that's how he died. So if you go to the Jack Daniels distillery, there's a small building that was his office. He had a safe in there and the safe is still there to this day. And he came in one day and he was trying to get into the safe and he couldn't unlock it because he had forgotten the combination and he got super pissed off and he kicked the safe and broke his toe. And that broken toe turned into a blood infection. And that is literally what killed Jack Daniels is him being a hothead and kicking a safe that he couldn't get open. And in 1911, he died from a blood infection, which is pretty interesting. Now, Jack Daniels had no heirs. He was not married. He had no kids. And I forget what it was. I think it was his cousin or something like that. But there was some like not direct family member that worked with him named Lim Motlow. And he left the entire distillery to Lim. Um, and unfortunately, Jack Daniels got shut down by prohibition. And so um, they shut down production. During that time frame, Lim, who was a very ambitious individual, went on, became a state senator in the state of Tennessee. And when uh, prohibition ended, he was fighting to get prohibition ended in the state of Tennessee because prohibition was a federal law, but many states also enacted prohibition laws that didn't end automatically when the federal law ended. And so uh, Lim had to fight until 1938 before he was able to pick production back up um, in the state of Tennessee, even though prohibition had been, you know, over for six, seven years at that point. So that's kind of interesting. And since that time, Jack Daniels has grown to be the number one selling whiskey made in the United States at about 16 million cases per year. And a lot of that is due to one individual, and that is Frank Sinatra. So Frank Sinatra, and if you, well, well, Jack Daniels has this very interesting thing that they do. It's a marketing ploy. It's kind of like the Maker's Mark Ambassador Program, but it's called the Tennessee Squire Association. And it was kind of started by Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra found Jack Daniels. It was his favorite drink. It's what he drank. And back during those times, it was very popular to join a country club. And every country club had like a smoking jacket with the, the logo embroidered on the jacket. And Frank Sinatra had a Jack Daniels country club jacket, smoking jacket made privately for him. And when people would ask him about it because they had never heard of the Jack Daniels country club, he would say, oh, it's very exclusive. You probably couldn't get in. That, that was his kind of a tagline. And as it turned out, he had made the whole thing up. There was no Jack Daniels country club. But he kind of popularized and normalized the drinking of Jack Daniels whiskey. And there's this hilarious story about him being on set and filming in Africa. And the entire crew ended up getting some sort of uh, stomach infection from drinking the local water. And the only person who did not get sick was Frank Sinatra because he only drank Jack Daniels. He drank no water at all. And that smoking jacket that he had made is now on display at Jack Daniels facility in the Tennessee Squire room. So if you're a Tennessee Squire and you go in there, you're able to see that. If you're just part of the general public, you don't get to go. So we're gonna talk a little bit more about the Tennessee Squire Association in a little bit. 
Um, but Jack Daniels has obviously grown to be the number one selling U.S. whiskey. There is a debate about whether or not it's the number one selling whiskey in the world. I believe that it's actually Johnny Walker's the number one in the world uh, based on case volume, but there's some marketing trickery there, so it's hard to tell who's who. But that leads us to the question, is Jack Daniels actually bourbon? And the reason why that's a big debate is about 80 years ago, Jack Daniels petitioned the TTB, who's the regulatory federal regulatory agency over these questions, to not have to label their whiskey as bourbon. They wanted to just label it as Tennessee whiskey. And they argued that because they used the Lincoln County process, which I'll describe the Lincoln County process very simply, after the distillate comes off of the still, the second run, and it's at whatever proof that it's going to be, right? Do you immediately proof it to whatever your barrel entry proof is and put it in the barrel? Or do you run it through sugar maple charcoal and filter out some of the congeners that add flavor to the whiskey, some of the heavier oils and things like that, before you put it in the barrel? Right? So if you put it through the sugar maple, that's called the Lincoln County process. Now, a lot of people will argue that they're filtering out flavor compounds that actually make the whiskey taste good. And a lot of other people argue that what they're filtering out was going to make the whiskey taste rough and that this produces a quote unquote smoother um, tasting spirit. Right? And so that's what the Lincoln County process is. And Jack Daniels argued to the TTB that because they use this Lincoln County process, that their whiskey should be able to be called Tennessee whiskey separate from the bourbon designation. Sorry, Bourbon Real Talk listener. Randy Sullivan coming in for a quick shameless merch plug. If you want to support this channel, you can do so. You don't have to, but if you want to, you can. We do not have a Patreon like some of my counterparts, no disrespect, but I don't like to ask you guys directly for money. And I also don't allow any sponsors of the show because I want to be independent to share my opinion with you without anybody putting any pressure on me. So if you would like to get some merch, here's some of the things we have to offer. We have Bourbon Real Talk lanyards. So if you check this out, if you've ever been to a bottle share before, you need to communicate with people, shake hands, do whatever, pick up another bottle, get another pour, this thing is clutch. Secondly, we have the Bourbon Real Talk official Glen glass. This is a tulip shaped glass that's going to help you nose and really enjoy the characteristics of your whiskey. Next up we have the Wee tasting glass. So this is roughly half the size of a full size glass. This is something very special because on the market there were only two sizes of this glass and we created a third because my wife Lindsay, check out episode 100, is an amazing person who can source things and make things come out of nowhere. If you ever go to a tasting and you want to be able to sample a lot of things, but you don't want to drink too much whiskey, you need one of these smaller glasses. Now, a lot of people think candles are just for women, but that's not true. Men like good smells too. And we've produced a line of masculine smelling candles for anybody out there that's interested in that. We've got leather and charcoal and tonka for you guys. Now, as you get more involved in the whiskey collecting game, you're going to make friends and you guys are going to trade samples and you need a beautiful solid wood storage case to keep them in because otherwise they're just going to clutter up your shelves. We have two sizes, one for one ounce sample bottles and one for two ounce sample bottles. But if you really want to step your whiskey game up, what you need is an American Whiskey Aroma Kit 
Bourbon Real Talk official. This has 36 separate scents inside of it that are going to help you develop your whiskey palette. You can sit down with a dram, break it down to its components, take your whiskey review level to the next step. This kit is used at two major Kentucky distilleries I can't disclose. But one of them has confirmed that they use this to train their sensory team. So if you want to take your whiskey game to the next level, you need to pick up one of these American Whiskey Aroma Kits. But if you didn't see anything that you liked here, that's fine. It's okay. We're just glad to educate you. We love to have you as a listener. So even though Jack Daniels asked to not be considered a bourbon, we have to, if we're going to have this discussion, understand what a bourbon is. Bourbon is a legal term, okay? And it has a legal definitions and what are called the standards of identity and the standards of identity lay out what the manufacturing process has to be for a spirit to be considered a bourbon and the reality of the situation is jack daniels follows all of the standards of identity obligations for a spirit to be called a bourbon so why does jack daniels want to not be considered a bourbon and that's an actual, actually very interesting conversation. So the short answer is probably for marketing reasons, okay? And there are some more complicated answers. So one time I interviewed a historian who writes about bourbon, but he also writes historical books. And he gave me this idea that I'd never considered before. And the idea was that at the time that Jack Daniels was becoming popular, and they were fighting, there's always been a lot of animosity between the state of Kentucky and the state of Tennessee where Jack Daniels is made. And that is kind of interesting because there's a, a historical reason why there was a conflict. And that is they ended up kind of on opposite sides of the Civil War, right? So Kentucky was a was a was like a border state, right? So. Kentucky was kind of the end of the, the frontier with regard to uh, where the United States ended at that time. And so there was a question about, okay, are we going to be on the Union side or are we going to be on the South side? And in Kentucky, there were people that fought actually for the Confederate side and there were people that fought for the Union side. But in 1861, there was an election and the Union sympathizers were in a, a much greater percentage than the people that wanted to fight for the South. And so while Kentucky never seceded from the Union and all of that stuff and actually joined the Confederate Army, the people in Tennessee who had felt like Kentucky had betrayed them and had betrayed what they stood for. And that created kind of some animosity between the same states that kind of exist even through today, right? Like if you're in Tennessee, you probably talk a little trash about Kentucky and vice versa. And so I think that part of the issue was is that post-prohibition, when bourbon became very popular, but Tennessee had, or Jack Daniels itself had formed its own customer base, they were kind of in a position where they're like, well, we don't want to be associated with those people from the North. We feel like we're doing our own thing down here. And that is probably the main reason that they decided like, hey, let's do something separate. Let's have separate la uh, labeling. The other interesting thing is that Jack Daniels, at the time that they had this, this conversation with the TTB, was large enough that they were able to kind of throw their weight around a little bit, right? And they didn't need the bourbon designation. Like uh, it, 
there were a lot of spirits producers in Kentucky that needed to be known as bourbon because bourbon had its own brand. But Jack Daniels didn't need that designation to be popular because they had grown big enough that Jack Daniels had its own brand, right? And so they wanted to be separate from that. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, Tennessee whiskey meets all of the standards of identity to be considered bourbon. And the reality of the situation is, and this is going to come as a shock to some of you people that think that Jack Daniels isn't bourbon, but Jack Daniels sometimes labels their product as bourbon when it suits their purposes. I've seen actual pictures of bottles, um, usually bottles that were distributed overseas, where the bourbon brand was big enough that it was valuable for them to label their product as bourbon and put that word on the label. And so that's, that's kind of an interesting thing because, and that's what makes me say, Jack Daniels wants to be considered Tennessee whiskey and not bourbon for marketing purposes, because when it suits their marketing purposes, they'll throw that word bourbon on the label, uh, but they, they probably would not do that inside the United States. And so uh, you, you see this really interesting debate, because when somebody says, is Jack Daniels bourbon, you'll have the Kentucky bourbon drinkers come in and say, absolutely, it's bourbon. If you read the standards of identity, it is absolutely bourbon. There's nothing that they do that makes it not bourbon, right? And Jack Daniels has done such a good job with their marketing and getting their, their, their biggest fans to buy into this idea that the Lincoln County process makes it not bourbon, that the Jack Daniels drinkers will come in and start arguing with the bourbon drinkers and say, absolutely not. This is not bourbon. They charcoal filter and that's an adulteration of bourbon and blah, 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 blah. And they, they think that that actually makes sense. But the reality of the situation is, is that the Lincoln County process is not just used in Tennessee. There are Kentucky bourbons that use the Lincoln County process. And there are Tennessee whiskeys that go through the Lincoln County process that label their product as bourbon. And the Lincoln County process is not considered an adulteration. It's not a, a flavoring. It's not an additive, anything like that. Now, I have been told, and I'm not 100% this is, this is true, but I have been told that in the Tennessee state regulations for the, the, the process that you have to follow to make a Tennessee whiskey, that you are allowed up to 2.5% adulteration in terms of flavoring and coloring. But Jack Daniels does not have any flavoring or coloring or any other adulteration to it. And so for that reason, it is absolutely legally a bourbon and it can be labeled as a bourbon. I personally don't refer to it as bourbon because they have earned the right to call themselves Tennessee whiskey. But that doesn't answer the other question, which is, does Jack Daniels suck? So when you have that question, when you see people debating that topic, I always ask the same question. And I always ask like, okay, what Jack Daniels products have you tried? And how long ago did you try them? And what I often find is that people who don't like Jack Daniels have tried this. This is the Jack Daniels Black Label. This is a 80% alcohol by volume product, right? And it's not aged to a super high age typically. And it has a purpose. It is the highest or second highest selling whiskey in the world 
depending on whether or not it's Johnny Walker and how those numbers shake out. Um, and it has a purpose. It's not meant to be compared to George T. Stagg and a neat pour. Okay, I'm drinking it right now in a neat pour. It's not offensive. There's nothing about it that when you taste it, you're like, oh, this is terrible. It's very banana forward. Um, there's you know, plenty of isoamyl acetate in Jack Daniels that gives it a banana runs flavor. It's got that good vanilla characteristic because it is aged in new charred oak containers as the barrel or as the bourbon regulations dictate. Um, but it's not very complex. It doesn't have a lot of nuance. Um, it doesn't have a very bold flavor on the palate because it's only 80 proof. You have to understand that when they decided to make this whiskey this way, they didn't make it this way because they wanted you to be comparing it to world-class Kentucky bourbons that are cash strength. They made it this way because they wanted to make a worldwide, marketable, approachable spirit that could be used in many different applications. And I heard at one point that the number one cocktail worldwide is Jack and Coke. It's not necessarily meant to be drank neat. But understand that Jack Daniels Black Label is not the only product that they make, right? They also make this product here, which is a Jack Daniels single barrel cash strength. And what I'd say is, is, you know, it, it, when I start asking people about what is your experience with Jack Daniels, most people say, oh, when I was in college, I drank a whole bottle of Jack Daniels at this party and I got so sick and I'll never drink it again. It's so disgusting, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, oh, okay, that's cool. Um, but we're all adults now, and why would you be judging a product based on an experience that you had 10, 15 years ago that clearly was affected by your irresponsible drinking, right? And then the other thing that I'll hear is, well, you know, I tried Jack Daniels and I just really didn't like it. It doesn't compare to, you know, I get much better whiskeys and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, Jack Daniels Black Label is not an expensive bottle it's it's meant probably mostly for mixing um it's probably not meant to be drank neat and it's probably not meant to be compared to world cast world-class kentucky bourbons but when you look at this jack daniel single barrel it's probably got a little bit more age on it it's got it's definitely got a lot more proof on it it is actually phenomenal It's still got that banana runts characteristic to it, but it's just turned up to 10. There's a little bit of nuttiness in here, and there's a ton of vanilla, because when they don't proof it down, and they, they give it a little bit of extra time in that barrel, it is just, the, the flavors that it pulls out, it's phenomenal. And it, it sometimes tastes like a, a banana nut bread to me, which is the thing that I really loved when I was a kid. I loved banana nut bread. And it's just really solid whiskey. And the other thing is, is that Jack Daniels also makes rye whiskey. And I think that Jack Daniels rye is one of the best values in all of rye whiskey. Uh, people sleep on Jack Daniels rye. They have no idea how high quality the production of rye is that's coming out of Jack Daniels. And so if there are different applications for the different labels, but some of the labels would appeal to somebody who actually has a sophisticated quote unquote bourbon palette, why do people hate on it? Well, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because 
as I was trying to develop the, the Facebook-based whiskey group, Someone Say Whiskey, with, with my counterparts, and we're trying to figure out a way to reduce drama and reduce all of the infighting that happens inside of whiskey clubs so that everybody understands that there's a safe place for them to come and contribute. One of the things that we had to figure out is like, how do we deal with one person liking a whiskey and another person hating it so much that they have to get on that person's post and tell them how stupid they are for liking that whiskey? Uh, because that always causes a fight. And sometimes it literally causes two grown men who probably live in different states to say, I'll fly to you and beat you up. It's stupid, right? So what causes people to hate on Jack Daniels that much? I think that it's not just about Jack Daniels, but in general, when there's somebody who really doesn't like a whiskey, it's usually because of an unfair comparison, right? So if, you're used, if you've got the financial resources and you've spent the time and you've collected really high quality, higher proof, special release bourbons, and then you go and you try any low proof shelf or high volume bourbon or Jack Daniels, you're not gonna like it. You're not gonna think it's complex. You're not gonna think that it's the best. Um, I, you know, I'm not hating on Jim Beam White Label, but it's not, I, I don't wanna drink it neat, right? Um, but that's an unfair comparison because Jim Beam White Label, just like Jack Daniels Black Label, was not made to be drank neat. And so I think that that's one of the issues. One of the other issues I think is that sometimes people buy a whiskey and it's not in alignment with the hype. Now, Jack Daniels doesn't really suffer from this because you don't have a whole lot of, you know, people saying Jack Daniels is the best whiskey in the world, but like Blanton's is a great example. You know, if you've been looking for a bottle of Blanton's for two years and you've gone into a hundred liquor stores and begged and begged and begged, and then finally you've got a liquor store to sell you a bottle and you get it home and you open it up and you pour it and you taste it and you've been drinking regular shelf bourbons all along and you've had a wide variety of regular shelf bourbons, you may all of a sudden go like, what the heck? Like, why, why, why is there all this hype? And, and, and that can turn people against a whiskey and say, okay, this, this whiskey is, is nonsense. This is not good whiskey. Uh, not necessarily true. It doesn't mean that the whiskey tastes bad. It means that the whiskey doesn't taste as good as you expected it to taste based on the amount of demand and hype that is out there for that particular whiskey. So sometimes it's that. But sadly, I think that the main reason why people trash Jack Daniels is because they're contrarians. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, a contrarian is somebody who picks what their personal opinion is based on going against the greatest number of people. Now, this is usually a sad psychological disorder, sadly, where the people have some sort of a self-esteem issue. And what they want to do is they want to make themselves seem superior to the greatest number of people possible. And this goes across the whiskey enthusiast community. It goes across sports fans. It grows across music fans. Just think about the person that's like, I used to listen to XYZ band, but once they got super popular, their music really fell off, man. I just, I, you know, they used to be cool, but now they're not cool. I was listening to them before anybody knew who, were, who, who they were. And it's like, okay, objectively, is their music better or worse now? They got more you know, production value, there's more money put into mixing and the equipment that they're using and all that stuff. Is the music actually worse? 
Or is this a situation where because of your personal self-esteem, you've decided that you want to try to make the greatest number of people feel inferior to you as possible? And so you had to take a position that was against the greatest number of people. And when I look at the people that are trashing Jack Daniels, most of the time they come across to me as somebody who either is judging it off of some past experience that's not legitimate, they're making an unfair comparison against whiskey that it shouldn't be compared to, or they're thinking of the whiskey in the wrong category, and they're not drinking it the way that it was intended to be drank. But sadly, a lot of it has to do with somebody trying to make themselves feel superior to somebody else. So in conclusion, is Jack Daniels bourbon? Legally it is, okay, but I'm not going to call it bourbon because they have fought hard to be considered Tennessee, Tennessee whiskey, and I respect that. Uh, secondly, does Jack Daniels suck? Well, there's no reason to hate on Jack Daniels based on flavor. There's, you know, it, it may not be your preference, that's fine. It's high quality whiskey made with a high quality process out of high quality materials, okay? And if it's not your profile, that's fine. You don't have to buy it. But there's no reason to tell somebody else that they shouldn't like it simply because you don't like it. And if you're judging Jack Daniels based on some past experience, I suggest that you give it another try. And I want you to judge Jack Daniels based on what it was meant to be for. So if you're drinking Black Label, think about it as Jack Daniels is a mixer, right? Don't think about it, you know, in a neat pour compared to some world-class bourbon that's a higher proof. Um, and, and I think that you'll find that you like it a little bit more. And the other thing is, is avoid the, the placebo effect, right? Of disliking something just because you see other people hating on it and judge things simply based on their flavor for you. I'm not telling you you're supposed to like Jack Daniels, but I'm telling you that there's no reason to tell somebody else that they're wrong for liking Jack Daniels simply based on flavor. If that were the case, they wouldn't be the number one selling whiskey that's made in the United States. So with all of that said, I want to tell you a little bit about our show philosophy. If this is the first time that you've watched Bourbon Real Talk, I want to let you know that Bourbon Real Talk is about bringing people together through bourbon, right? Because we found that bourbon has a connective power and it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is or your political affiliation, whether you're male or female, what religion you are, we can both sit down over a dram and get to know each other and have a good time. And I like to use that connective power because I know that there are some people out there that feel alone. They don't feel connected. They don't feel like they're part of a community. And some people don't feel loved. I know that because I lost my brother to suicide a few years ago. And I knew that he had some troubles, but I didn't understand how bad it was that, that he felt that alone and that desperate. And so part of the impetus for me starting this channel was that I wanted to get people connected in a community that naturally brings people together. And I, I figured I don't have to connect individuals with each other, but if I just connect people to whiskey, the whiskey will do the job to get you connected so that you feel like you are cared about and loved and part of a community. I've also noticed online especially that there are people that are showing hate to one another that are effectively strangers. And 
from the way that I see it, if you are a, uh, a stranger and I'm capable of hating you, it's just as easy for me to have the opposite emotion and love you. And that's why I finish every podcast with the same sign off, and that is this. If you woke up this morning and you were unsure whether or not anyone loved you, just know that I love you. And I'll see you next time on Bourbon Real Talk.